the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, 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 money. I'll blend in a little bit of, I guess what you would probably say is pop culture and how it relates to money. For instance, today we could talk about Tiger Woods and Pepsi and how he's losing his own Gatorade product. Is it because of what he did or is it because the product just doesn't sell terribly well? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Puff Puff Cocoa Puffs. I got Cocoa Puffs in the news. How is it a story? Publicly traded company, sugary cereals, fat kids, diabetes. It's all tied back to the world of money in my sick, twisted little head. Got a whole show for you. Stacy Bradford. Who's Stacy Bradford? She's an author. And she's written a book on families and money, and we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, get you up to speed on what you need to know, so to speak. Get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. If you haven't talked to a woman in a while, you can actually talk to one. She works and answers the phone here. Her name is Heidi. She's lovely and pleasant, and she's wonderful. So if you want to talk to a lady, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. She's happily married, so don't go that direction, of course. But she will set you up with me, and you and I can talk about whatever's on your mind. Glenn Beck, he is the, I'd say he's the anchor of the station. He runs 12 to 3 here. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything or not, but yesterday there was a big news story that started to hit. The Fox commentator seems to have run up against his own principles. He's pitching the metal gold to viewers while making a profit from one such company. Now, I know this, and you know this, and you know that I've railed against people like Savage and people like Glenn Beck who push gold. And they say it's a great investment, when in reality it's not. When in reality, if you compare it to the last 30 years that a banking account made more money than gold, that treasuries quadruple gold, that stocks more than 20-fold beat gold. But radio and TV host Glenn Beck, he likes to talk about the potential collapse of the American economy. He also likes to talk about buying gold as a hedge against the unknown. The proximity of those ideas, the plethora of gold ads around his Fox program, and Beck's work as a paid pitchman for one gold firm have some in the media wondering whether the conservative commentator has a conflict of interest. Legally, I have to tell you if I have a conflict of interest. I'm considered a fiduciary. He's not. He's protected by the First Amendment. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. He can't go into a movie theater and scream fire, but pretty damn close. Conflicts are always in the eye of the beholder. Beck should consider himself lucky if the public doesn't judge him by where's there smoke, there's fire standard that he uses to condemn his adversaries. Conservative commentator has been something of a phenomenon since moving this year from CNN's sister station headline news to cable Fox News. The one-time comics brand of broad theatrics and his foreboding take on America. 
It's rendered nearly unrecognizable by the immoral spendthrift liberals. He's been a hit, big hit, huge hit. His audience is multiplied. It's multiplied. It's kind of like an amoeba splitting. It's getting bigger. So his audience has multiplied fivefold since his headline news days. He's huge. He's a star. He's big. Now, he talks about the failure of America and the failure of the dollar, the demise of the American government, the ascension of one world order. And he's giving you scenarios where he's basically saying, money's going to hell in a handbasket. You better get gold. When in reality, if you think we're truly going to hell in a handbasket, you should get a shotgun. Think about it. When you need bread, when you need food in your belly, uh, people really going to take a gold coin from you? Now, here's what, what's really a conflict. On his show, he pushes gold line. Now, let's see. Where do I go with this? He pushes gold line. And you could look at gold and say it's been a great investment, but it depends on what price you pay, right? When you buy gold coins, there's a 30% markup. The gold bandwagon, some people think that he has a lot to do with it. His audience is so big that people are you know, starting to follow him and saying, hey, if Lynn Beck says it's a good investment, then it must be a good investment. So the costs aren't cheap to buy gold. So chortling and turning, you know, his pitch, it's imperfect. So he's a featured player on the website for Goldline, which in 2008 crowded that it, it crowed that it had signed on an exclusive precious metal sponsor of the Glenn Beck radio show. Now, some commentators need only the most fleeting connections to find shortcomings in their enemies. There's a couple. Let me I mean, let me show you the way the, the world works in case you haven't figured it out. When Kim Commando recommends a website like Mosey or like Carbonite, she gets a kickback. When Ray Lucia pushes, what is his, LegalZone, when he pushes LegalZone, you know, punch in the name Lucia in the offer code, get 20% off, he gets a kickback. When Glenn Beck sells gold and you tell them that you heard it on Glenn Beck's show, he gets a kickback. Advertisers in radio, they're, they're kind of funny. Everyone wants something for nothing. And there's some spots that basically if you make the phone ring, they'll give you 5, 10, 20, 30 bucks, whatever it is per lead. For instance, when I first got into radio 15 years ago, the Investors Business Daily had an offer, get two weeks free. And in my radio show, I, I would run ads for them because I figured it's a good newspaper. It's okay. I have no problem. And people were able to punch in black and I was able to get a nice little kickback out of it. Paid some bills sometimes. You know, when you're first starting out, you, you do what you got to do. Long story short, there's a conflict of interest when on your show you're saying gold's going to hell. Or no, no, no. You're going, gold's going higher. It's an investment. It's been the best investment for the last eight years. That's just crap. It's just crap and it's misleading. But again, you can, you can change and manipulate data the way you want to show it. Gold is a great hedge. Gold is a great hedge against inflation. Gold is for wealthy people to diversify their portfolio. It's what's called a non-correlating asset. If the stock market goes down, gold doesn't necessarily go down. If housing goes down, gold doesn't necessarily go down. So it doesn't correlate with other assets in your life. So it's a nice hedge. Now, again, if you've owned it since 1980, you've massively underperformed. Massively underperformed. You were better off having your money in a checking account. Now, why do we think entertainers are experts? It's a good question, right? I'd love to hear your feedback on this. You can call the show at 800 345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. You don't have to be shy. 
Uh, it's easy enough to get your show call on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Why do we think entertainers are experts in financial advice? Is it crossing a line? Should there be disclaimers? Why don't people take the extra step into the research instead of taking the advice from the people like Glenn Beck's? But I can even go one step further, and you can't touch this. You can't touch this. The rapper turned entrepreneur. He's getting in on the gold uh, gold wagon. MC Ammer, he's had a lot of professional careers. He's been a preacher. Oh, yes, we pray. We pray every day just to make it today. Oh, yes, we pray. And then he was a rapper. He was a tech entrepreneur. Now the pioneer of the parachute pants. He's got an equity stake in a website, Cash for Gold. It's a gold refinery. Customers who spend, who send in their gold, grandma's necklace, dad's watch, will receive an estimate of its worth. And if you're happy with the estimate, you get your check. With the price of gold hitting new highs, it's hardly surprising that pawn shops are flourishing. Cash for Gold claims to be the first such service to operate fully online. Its backers include a handful of tech venture capital firms, including Mangrove Partners. They were an early investor in Skype and General Catalyst and Highland Partners. Now, Hammer, real name Stanley Burrell, says it's not far from his technology passions. If you don't think this is a technology-driven business, what you think is that we have 5,000 pieces of gold in a warehouse and one person asks for their piece back, it's a huge technical operation. Now, CEO Jeff Aronson, he started the company in 2007, Cash for Gold. Just as the price of gold began to soar and the economy turned down, MC Hammer joined forces with him last year, first agreeing to be a celebrity spokesperson. And even with the money Cash for Gold pays back to sellers and a huge marketing budget, Hammer starred in a Super Bowl ad last year with Ed McMahon. The company brought in $90 million in revenues last year. Since then, the company's grown steadily, and it's going to hit several hundred million in 2009. But if Cash for Gold is raking in, some customers claim they're not. There was a class action lawsuit filed against Cash for Gold that alleges the company never mailed some people their checks. It alleges that Cash for Gold frequently claims it has lost items that were mailed in for estimates and offers poor customer service to people trying to follow up on lost items. The company says the complaint's incredibly seriously flawed. It intends to defend themselves in the court. Several copycat companies popped up on top of Cash for Gold's success. And as MC Hammer says, we're melting gold, baby. Well, they're not melting gold. They're making money. Because, again, they look at the value and they give you 30% less than what it's worth. I would be very, very cautious on celebrities who endorse anything. I put my name on very few things. The only things that I put my name on, I believe in 100%. I would be very cautious. If you see Ed McMahon pitching it... Probably not a good product because he's dead, first and foremost. Ed McMahon is dead, all right? Yeah, he's dead. So sometimes dead or not, dead or alive, it's, it's a game you play in your head. You sometimes forget. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's dead. So neither here nor there, right? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Do we have a call? Ah, oh, we have a call. My call screener's not up. Mark, how are you? I've got an impotent call screener. Mark, I hate you, Mark. I'm coming to your house. You're personally trying to sabotage my radio career by calling in and then not being there. One more thing that about talking about personally sabotaging radio careers. Clear Channel had their Christmas party yesterday. My boss was there, the program director, the assistant program director. Heidi was there. She brought her bow. Oh, they forgot to invite me. I wasn't even invited to the Clear Channel Christmas party. I'm not loved. I bet Glenn Beck was invited. I bet Armstrong and Getty were invited. 
I would think John and Ken were invited, but they probably didn't show because they're they're big time celebrities. But I wasn't even invited. Salespeople invited. Secretaries invited. Is it uncool to call a secretary a secretary or is it administrative assistant? Receptionist, executive assistant, whatever it is. I don't know the proper term. 800-345-5639. If you want to comment on Glenn Beck and gold, if you want to comment on MC Hammer and gold, if you want to talk health care, if you want to talk sugary cereal, puff, puff, cocoa puffs. I got sugary cereal in the news. Plus Tiger, Pepsi, Gatorade, Investments, Cisco, Apple. I got it all today. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Shoe. I'm Rob Black. 910 AM. 800-345-5639. More stimulating talk. You're listening to Rob Black. 910 AM. More stimulating talk. I want to hear the hook. Okay, that hook wasn't a good payoff. That was a bad call by me. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's easy pleasy. Not hard to do. 800-345-5639. Let's get a phone call. Let's go to Nancy in San Jose. Nancy? Hello? Hi, Nancy. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. I like your show. Um, I'm glad you're on. I wish more people knew about it. Um, but anyway, my question is, my daughter is at a um, private university in Boston, and it's $53,000 a year. Um, her how, how much is it? Is, Did you say 53000 53, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's not unheard of, actually. For the top universities, there's a lot of them that cost close to that. Anyway, um, her dad's paying about 10000 a year, and she got, I think, almost thirteen in grants and scholarships. Um, and I have told her that she needs to – she's gotten a loan for the rest, a student loan, and I told her if she graduates, you know, on time, I will pay off a third of her loan. Um, I'm not going to do it in advance because if she, you know, screws up or drops out or whatever, then she can have that debt. I'm not going to have that. Um, but in any case, she's looking at going on and probably getting a doctorate. Um, so she's all of a sudden now thinking, oh, boy, by the time I'm done with school, I'm probably going to have a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. Is this really a good idea? Um, you know, she's, we're trying to figure out is having the degree from this university and then whatever other universities she would get her master's and possibly her doctorate from, you know, is this the right thing to spend all this money on the four-year? Typically, I say yes. Is she at Harvard? She's at Boston University. Boston University. First and foremost, congratulations on getting a daughter to college and getting her to a great school. Yeah, thank that, that, you. That's an accomplishment in this day and age. Um, yeah, seriously. Especially if she's never been in prison or jail. So jail's okay, prison not so much. Um, what is she studying to be? She, ultimately, she wants a doctorate in sociology and to probably 
teach at a college, um, you know, at a university and do research. Okay. And that can be a lot of money coming out of her salary for quite a while. Right. Um, I question, I mean, you're, you're right. She's going to come out with $120,000 in debt. If she graduates, you've agreed to take on forty k of that. That's eighty thousand dollars in debt. That's not. Cr- it's crazy. It's high, but it, it's manageable. Um, you know, college debt's good debt because ultimately she's going to have a higher paying job, and ultimately she's going to save more for retirement. And the higher paying job probably means she'll eat better vegetables, which means she won't get cancer and die at an early age. Uh, there's a lot to be said for going to college, but for a sociology degree from a. Uh, institution of higher learning that that's that's rough um i i kind of wish she was a mechanical engineer because then i'd say absolutely it's a no-brainer um but to be a teacher you know you're looking at you know salaries of probably 60 to 70 to 80 at the better universities uh, really? with lots of competition um now she'll get tenure and she'll get a lot of perks along the way uh, but mm-hmm. that's not i mean i don't know um i i there's no stopping her now is there nancy i oh, mean yeah. Actually, the reason this is coming up is because, you know, a year ago when we were doing the college search and last spring when she got all her acceptances, um, she was offered a full ride to UC Santa Cruz, and she really wanted to do the Boston thing, even though it was going to cost so much more money. So, you know, we I mean, really, she said, well, I'm 18, and if I can get the loans, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. You guys can't stop me, which I guess is sort of correct um, in a sense. And so we supported her, and we said, okay, let's do this. And, and now at this point... Probably some of it is emotional, but now she's starting to think about the financial stuff where I don't yeah. think she, that was really, um, uh, I don't think it was real to her, you know, six months ago right. when she was trying to decide where she was going to go. And now she's um, starting to see the loans and the interest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. I don't know really how I can help you, Nancy. Um, it, it seems to be a, a family decision at this point in time. Uh, you know, theoretically, I can tell you that I have a friend who graduated from Harvard but the first two years he did at a state college, um, he did it, you know, community college and then transferred to Harvard. And his, he tells you he's a Harvard educated man, but he doesn't tell you that, you know, he saved an enormous amount of money growing right. up, growing up and maturing the first two years. I mean, my first year of college, I, it was crazy. We were sledding down the halls on, on, on water. I mean, you remember that, don't you, Nancy? Actually, I didn't go to university. I I made a swimming pool in the shower that I got it four foot deep and I lived on the third floor and I didn't really think about that. You don't really put four feet of water on, on, on someone else's head. Um, I, I could have killed people. I mean, my first year of college out of control. I'm not telling you your daughter's out of control, but I'm just telling you it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't really have a good answer for you. I, I think you're doing the right thing. I think you raised a great daughter. I think she's got a good head on her shoulders and, um, if she comes out with $80,000 in debt or $120,000 in debt uh, for your school, um, if you take on a third of that, that's, you know, that's, that's expensive for you, no doubt about it. But I don't think it's the worst thing. It, it's, it's a good problem to have because she will be well-educated and she will be hireable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but oh, okay. as I say on this air all the time is, you know, don't let your kids go to college to get an English degree or to get a poetry degree or to get a philosophy degree because it ain't worth the money. So uh, it, you'd be better off sending your kids to a trade school to become an electrician. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I guess, so what about a poly, so like her four-year degree, she is thinking of getting a political science degree. Um, is that a marketable degree? Um, political science, absolutely. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So, well, I thank you very much for your input. Good luck, Nancy. And um, I think it's super cool that you like the show. And I think it's wonderful that you raised a kid who got all the way to a, a great American institution. That's I, I can't tell you how proud you must be. Uh, Anna in San Rafael. Anna. Hi, Rob. How Hi, are Anna. you? Good. Um, I was just calling because um, I ended up buying some gold from um, listening to a constantly repeated radio ad on a certain talk show. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my comment is if these guys, they try to come off like they're, it, you know, concerned about the interest, best interests of the American people, but a lot of the ads that are on these shows, they're not really um, reputable. And I don't know why they're... Uh, advertising like that like they don't research what they're uh promoting or something like that anna you and i can buy radio time and if we want to come up with a cash for silver business we can i mean that's the american way as far as the disclosures go it's frustrating because i'm considered a fiduciary Um, i can go to jail if i mislead you about financial items He's not. He's considered a journalist, so he gets freedom of speech. He can say whatever he wants and barely have to you know, back it up. Um, the financial industry is kind of interesting because we're not allowed to have celebrity endorsements. I can't have like – if I own a money management firm, I can't have Joe Montana come on and, uh, and say, hi, I'm Joe Montana. I've given all my money to Rob Black. He's a great financial advisor. It's, it's illegal um, because people like you are easily – you go, well, if Joe Montana has money with him, then I should too. Like it, it's – it's creepy that my industry doesn't allow that and how easy it's done in almost every other industry to have celebrity endorsements and they, they work. So give Britney Spears a, a cup of Starbucks coffee and when she gets photos with it and, you know, Starbucks is happy and they'll, they'll pay her $10,000 a month to, you know, get some uh, shots with a, uh, you know, coffee cup in her hand and doesn't mean it's good coffee. just means that they paid her. Right. So it's frustrating. What, what do you feel about the gold that you got? Well, Two of the, um, well, the two of the, it's hard for me to explain it, but anyway, I'm happy with part of it, but the major part of it I'm very unhappy with, and I don't know how to, you know, go about getting rid of it to get. I would would suggest eBay. Uh Uh-huh. So eBay, uh, let the buyer beware, you know, you'll, you'll take a nice picture of it, you'll post it on eBay. You'll say it's proven 1.2 ounces of gold, and uh, uh, someone will buy it. Yeah, but the price I paid for it and what it's going for now is it's like so bad. <laughs> the the current price, it's like commemorative um, coins. Yeah, coins are awful because once you you mint it, gold loses value. Mm-hmm. Gold bullion is attractive, but the minting of it uh, takes value away from it. Uh huh. And every time I call this company back, they always say, well, you just have to wait. You have to wait till, you know, it, it goes up. But, I mean, yeah. this is never going to go back to what – and I feel like I I was so – I knew better, but I went ahead and did it, and yeah. I'm just kicking myself. Well, it's a lesson <laughs> you learn. Pass it on, man. You know, I make financial mistakes. Um, I married a Playboy model. <laughs> I wish I could do, do a re- do-over on that one. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Anna. Okay, thank you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black's show. You're listening to 910 AM, 910 AM. Uh, coming up, coming up, I got Stacy Bradford. Stacy Bradford, author, 
We're going to talk a little bit about money and families. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. It's Rob Black Shoe. Let's get a phone calls and um, we've pushed our guest back ten minutes, but we're going to bring on Stacy Bradford in about ten minutes to talk about the financial guidebook for new parents. Uh, parenting is expensive, you know. Life insurance, um, your life insurance, not the kids' life insurance. Healthcare cost, college fund, clothes. Kids are a financial decision. And uh, I once said on Cron, and uh, I caught a lot of flack for this. I said, a lot of people are poor because they have kids. A lot of people don't realize the financial commitment that they get into. Let's go to Russell in San Jose. Russell? Good show. Thanks, Russell. Um, in defense of uh, Gwen Beck, uh, he's not uh, promoting gold as an investment per se. Uh, it's more as uh, insurance in case the dollar does uh, bottom out. There's a, some kind of a disaster that's your your uh, backup. Now, he does make the disclaimer that it's not for everyone, and each person should do their homework to see if it is for them. But uh, I would say, as far as I'm concerned, I do have some gold. I bought it years ago in the 70s when we had our other gold um, climb. And, um, and I also have a shotgun, and I hope I never have to use either. <laughs> That's funny. Um, with that said, you know that you've had a pretty horrific investment in gold since. It wasn't an investment. Insurance. Okay, insurance. You realize that it's been an underperforming asset compared to a money gold market. Insurance. Okay. You buy insurance. That's an underperforming asset. Okay. You don't want to use it, but you're glad you have it if you do have it. What are you going to do with gold, Russell? I just feel good that I have it. I look at it, and it feels nice. It looks nice. I, I hide it away, and, uh, and I just, it gives me a little bit of security knowing that uh, I have something that has held, it, has held value throughout time. I've got an inflatable love doll that if I find. That's you, if that's what you like. It's going to keep me warm at night, so to speak. I don't know if they keep you warm. Gold's not going to keep you warm. Well, but it's pretty. Gold's not going to buy you. Uh, it will, and, and it will, it will keep me warm, and it will buy me stuff. What's it going to buy you? When was the last time you walked into Kroger and said, "I'll no, take I'd these"? To, I'd have to have it turned into, perhaps I'd either have to barter with it, or I'd have to um, turn who, it into, you know, dollars or whatever is the going. Who wants gold? Well, I don't know, but all I can say is that uh, throughout the ages, it's had value, and people have wanted it. So. You know, ask them. Yeah, I think you're you're truly a consumer that's being pitched, and and you're buying <laughs> no, what they're I'm selling. Not being pitched, believe me, this was my. Oh yeah, that's okay. On my own, and it was like I say, it's an insurance. It's insurance. I don't expect. I didn't buy it for an investment. If it goes up, good. If it goes down, so what? That's the way I look at it. It's, I don't have a lot of it, but I have some. Okay. So I think, and back to Glenn Beck, I think his pitch is imperfect. The fact that he, you know, gets money from Goldline, it's a conflict of interest. No matter what you say, Fox, they've even said it's a conflict of interest, and they're only letting him do it because he's also on radio. Uh, they don't let their news commentators 
go out there and trash the dollar while benefiting from gold in a relationship that he has with the company. It, it, it is a conflict of interest. Um, He's got to make money, you know, just like everybody else. No, yeah, I, I think we need to hold a higher standard to people that give and create the news that we believe. Because uh, are you a news story or are you sensationalizing the story so that you can profit a little bit more? I think he believes in what he's saying. Okay. So, and that's where he's coming from. I'm with you. So thanks for the call, Russell. We're talking a little bit about Glenn Beck. He's in some quote-unquote hot water. The press has kind of given him a little bit of flack. Not a lot, a little bit. Um, and again, he's one of those people that calls out other people. When there's smoke, he says there probably is fire. And here there's smoke where, again, no matter how you look at it, he benefits. Uh, part of his pitch is the world's going to hell. He doesn't really like the Republicans. He doesn't really like the Democrats. Kind of like me. Uh, but you will never see me put my name on a gold commercial. It'll never, ever happen. Coming up after the break, Rob Black pitches gold. <laughs> no. Let's go to Rob, uh, Rob in Nevada. Rob? Uh, yes. Um, my story is much like that of Anna's that called before the last one. And I would have to uh, state that uh, I I like Rob, I like Glenn Beck, and I adhere to his principles and all this. I think he's a good journalist, a good commentator. Uh, I did, however, go for the gold pitch. Yeah. And I bought some gold, and I held it for a year, and then I said, you know, this was a stupid move, I said to myself, and therefore I redeemed the gold. Now, my question or my concern would be, or it is my intention at the end of the um, tax year to claim this as a uh, capital loss. Uh, Since there's no paper trail on this, um, I just wonder if that's in the... Uh, in the card, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I'd work with your accountant. Um, I'm sure you could take a capital loss on it. Um, you know, you're going to have to document the price that you paid and the price that you sold. I'm sure you can do that with, you know, some transaction receipts. Um, but, yeah, you bought it as an investment and it didn't turn out for you the way you wanted it to. How did you lose money in one year when gold's been rising, Rob? So, okay, I just I wanted that out there so other people can hear it, if, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So thanks for the call, Rob. Good luck, and I would just work with your accountant. Um, and you could probably right now call the IRS. Uh, the IRS is incredibly friendly, incredibly kind, incredibly generous. Just don't do it in the month of March or April. So I'd call them today and say, hey, here's you know my situation. How am I going to fill this out? And I think they'll be more than helpful. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I'm not judging Glenn Beck. I'm just saying it's not something I legally can do, and I understand why I legally can't do it, because I can influence you and I can hurt you financially. So I understand why the you know the financial community has what are called fiduciaries who are not allowed to lie and or mislead. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. Coming up, I'm going to speak with the author, Stacey Bradford. Uh, she wrote a book that's under the Wall Street Journal head. Their books are the best financial books out there. So when I saw an ad for her new book, I was like, Heidi, we got to get her on. We got to talk about healthcare costs. We got to talk about wills and trust and life insurance. We got to talk about, you know, spending money at every stage of your kid's development. Diapers, they ain't cheap. I can tell you one good advice diapers.com. 
Diapers.com. Not bad. Costco diapers. Wonderful. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Coming up, i got Stacey Bradford. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Get in the Rob Black chat room live now. Go to talk910.com. Go to the Rob Black page and click play. Welcome in. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. I'm the money guy here. I talk about money. I talk about investing. I talk about simple things like maxing out your 401k and how far that'll get you in life. I could, you know, highlight a stock idea or two, but I tend to say, uh, you know, teach you the basics and don't get too complicated on yourself. Let's bring in Stacey Bradford. She's the author of a new Wall Street Journal book. I love the Wall Street Journal as a magazine newspaper. Um, I love the Wall Street Journal, you know, financial guidebooks. They have many of them. They have how to buy real estate, how to invest. Um, these are well-written books. So when I saw the the new advertisement for Stacy's book, uh, financial guidebook for new parents, I was like, ooh, let's talk about that because this is big stuff. How are you doing, Stacy? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. No, you're the kindest person. Um, with that said, uh, you're writing a book for new parents, and I do a television show, and I caught a lot of heat. I caught a lot of heat, Stacy, when I said that some people are poor because they have too many kids. Kids are expensive. Um, that's the bottom line of why you're writing this book, isn't it? Absolutely. And not only is it that kids are expensive, parents get a little bit overwhelmed with setting up a nursery and making sure that their kids have the right toys, and they forget about the big picture items, like setting up a will or a trust or life insurance. Setting up a nursery, that's the first thing you start to do when the, the wife's six, seven, eight months pregnant. And you learn everything is crazy expensive for kids. There's 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 discounts, but cribs are expensive, diapers are crazy expensive, toys are expensive. Um, that that nursery, it's an intimidating process, especially for first time parents. It is intimidating, but. Also, when you think about in a couple of years, your baby's going to outgrow all of those things. So I think parents also need to keep it in perspective that it's really just not that important. And they really should spend as little as they possibly can on those items. My mom put me in a dresser drawer for the first couple of months because I was, I was in Okinawa. I was a military baby. Um, and I turned out okay. Well, exactly. You know, people wouldn't recommend that today, but you can do just about the same thing. There are some great cribs out there that are very reasonable in price. And there's um, there's a lot of like mommy clubs that have popped up, and with the mommy clubs, you know, you find someone who's you know the kids outgrow on the crib, you take over their crib, you you know buy it from them on the cheap. So there's a lot of alternatives, but something in our head, Stacy says, buy my kid the best, buy my kid something brand new, buy my kid something that another kid has never been on that you know is all German infested. There's a psychology where we want to take care of our kids to the best of our nature. There is, and I just think people just get so excited about a new baby, but the smartest parents will borrow as much as they possibly can, or they'll take things that are used. Now, you have to be careful. You don't want to use an old crib from somebody you don't know if it's more than a few years old because of safety standards. Right. But there are plenty of other items. A bouncy seat, that doesn't change. You can easily use that. You could use a swing, and you could use all that clothing that is so expensive. And what I've learned is that some of the things that you expect they're going to play with, they don't. 
Um, so you can really spend a lot of money that's totally useless, uh, poorly spent, so to speak. Oh, exactly. Especially now that we're entering the holidays, parents should think about that. I have a four-year-old daughter, and my mother was just asking me, what does she want for the holidays? And I think she was feeling like grandma needs to get her something big. And really, I think she just wants some crayons and some paper. She'd be <laughs> perfectly happy because she just wants to spend time with my mother. That's what she really wants. How about a box? Right. That's what they say for little kids with a ribbon on it. I guess for a four-year-old, that's not going to go. Is that why you wrote the book, Stacy? Because you had a kid and you got to see the first year's 15,000, the next 18 years or 200-plus thousand. College, one lady already called into the show today where her kid's going to, you know, have a $120,000 four-year degree, and she's agreed to cover one-third of it. It's, you know, in her case, that's another $40,000. Absolutely. You know, what I think what happened was I've been writing about personal finance for a very long time, and I knew that there wasn't a guide out there. And then when I was starting to um, think about having my own child, I realized this was a good idea. So what I did when I was pregnant and right after my first child was born, I put down all the things I was doing and I kind of made a list and I made a guidebook for myself that I could follow because when someone's right in the middle of the diapering and saving for college and all these things, it can be very overwhelming. So I drew up a roadmap. And then I decided to put it out and make a book out of it because I really think that it'll help parents when they're so sleep-deprived and they're not sure what to do, but they might be worried about securing their family's future. At least in the book, it's all in one place, and really it's the only place you'll find it because um, there are no other books on this topic. And the articles that you'll see online, you know, there's one thing on health care, one thing on life insurance, but sometimes people aren't sure, well, what should I do first? And this provides a step-by-step guide for what to tackle. You are preaching to the choir. I, I love the guidebook approach that the Wall Street Journal does. I think they're, they're great books. I think they're well put together. I think they're little Bibles that you can put in your bathroom, read a chapter or two, and you know, continue to educate yourself. You don't have to you know, read it straight through. It's not a textbook. It's not something you're going to get tested on. But um, there's chapters that you can easily digest. For instance, you talked about your child's, you know, getting a will set up. Most of us don't want to set up a will, Stacey. I don't want to die. I don't want to think about dying. I'm young. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm potent. Um, you know, I had a kid. I'm, I'm, I'm on top of the world. Uh, but I can get hit by a bus today. It's true. We don't want to think about it. But you know what I think was most interesting when I was researching mm-hmm. this book was um, all the lawyers told me that people don't do wills because they don't want to think about how they could possibly pass away. But what I found anecdotally is it has more to do with the couples and being able to agree on who the guardian should be for their children. So it's more of an issue of, I wanted my sister to be the guardian, but perhaps my husband wanted his brother. And so it kind of has a lot to do sometimes with marital tension, and it's just easier not to fight about it. But unfortunately, you have to make that decision. Otherwise, a court will decide who will become the guardian should something happen to both parents. I'm speaking to Stacy Bradford, author of Financial Guidebook for New Parents. It's published under the Wall Street Journal title and name. You can pick up the book at Amazon.com, 15 bucks, terribly reasonable. Um, and it'll, it'll, it'll pay for itself. Now, you talked about how your child, your, your husband wants the kid to go to his side of the family. You want the kid to go to your side of the family. How did you resolve that? Well, what we finally decided to do was my sister already has a child, so Uh we decided that for the time being, um, we now have two kids, um, that our children will go to her. And then as soon as his sister has children, and then we'll switch the guardian over to her because we didn't want to burden her with kids when she's just young and married and doesn't have that responsibility. 
whereas my sister in a few years, her son will be heading off to college. And so it's not fair for her to have to take on small children. So we did it that way. That's a pretty good way of looking at it because in my scenario, we're looking at my sister has got a great kid, whereas her sister's got a kid with ADD and is a problem at school, but her cousin has got a great kid. So we're like, how do you match it up with family values? And we're not even thinking on the age issue. Right. Well, sometimes in your situation, people might decide, well, who lives closer to where you are so that maybe um, your child won't have to switch schools or at least still be able to see his friends. Now, how about life insurance? Um, The general rule of thumb is that, you know, when you get married, the high-earner income gets 10 times the salary, maybe a little bit more of their special needs. You get 20-year term life insurance. What do you plan for a kid? About 500000 Does that sound right? Because it's 200000 to raise them and then another 200000 to send them to college? That's one possibility. Um, I think a lot of people really have to look at their own income, though, because you're not only looking at how much to raise them and how much for college, but you're also looking for the fact that you're going to have a spouse you have to provide for. And that might have other housing costs. And some people just spend more. So that $200,000 is actually for a pretty modest family. Living in the California, San Francisco area, prices are higher. So people need to incorporate that into their planning. Now, let's talk a little bit about child care. Because in this day and age, it's, it's a tough economy. Um, stay-at-home moms are kind of dying off. We're seeing soap operas shut down because of that. Um, the idea of going back, what's the financial angle on this? What's, what's your opinion? I actually think that this is one of the most complicated financial issues for young families okay. because childcare is so expensive. In an ideal world, if somebody has family nearby who can help out, even if you have to pay a mother or an aunt or somebody, it's still probably going to be cheaper than actually going out and paying for a daycare center right. or an official babysitter. But people need to realize that when they're working, they have to make enough to cover their health, I'm sorry, their child care costs. So with that in mind, they have to do the math, sit down and do a budget. But what I find is that if a family is breaking even on child care, it still could make sense and often does for the stay-at-home spouse to go back to work because the child care costs are temporary, Right. So um, my daughter's in daycare now. She'll only be officially in daycare for, say, four years, and then she'll go on to a nice public school and I won't have to pay for the care quite as much. But if I take those four years off, I'm going to lose a lot more in the workplace. And when I go back, I'll probably go back at a much lower salary. and It'll take me much longer to build back to just where I started. People need to realize that if long term they need both salaries. And it's interesting in California because we have a lot of illegal immigrants. I know a lot of parents who dump their kid on an illegal immigrant uh, because you can pay them a lot less. It sounds crazy, Stacey, but it it, it happens out here. Sure. No, I understand. You know, I live in New York City and daycare is a fortune and um, the nannies are even more. But people just need to make choices. They need to do background checks. And fortunately, you can do that online now, which is really nice. then you need to check references, and you need to make sure that that um, caregiver is providing similar care to what um, you would do for them. Obviously, it won't be quite the same, but that person is going to become a very significant um, individual in your child's life. 
I used to live in New York, and I've lived in San Francisco, and raising a kid in a big city, how's that different than raising a kid, you know, in the white picket fence in the country? Well, it's definitely more expensive. Okay. But on the positive side, there is a lot of culture. Um, You're showing and teaching your children about diversity, and they're just learning a lot more than... They may learn if they're further out in the suburbs, but in the suburbs, you're saving a lot of money. Chances are you have access to better public schools, and there can be a lot less stress. So there really are pros and cons to both, and it's just an individual choice, but it is very, very expensive to stay in the city. Now, Stacy, my mother was very Southern, and she constantly reminded me, constantly reminded me that she used to wipe poop off my genitals and otherwise they would have fallen off and she doesn't feel like she's like i saved you i i brought you into this world you're on your own it's it's a funny way of thinking about it it's uncomfortable to hear in a conversation with someone you don't really know but she didn't really feel compelled to send me to college she felt like i did my job you take care of yourself at this point in time and she did send me to college and she was a great mother and she's i mean i'm embellishing a little bit but um how about that angle? Um, I want to max out my 401k because I love the tax benefits. I love the tax deductions. But then at the same time, you turn on CNBC and you feel guilty that you're not funding your kid's college. You see a little kid going to college and dad said, we plan for you. Um, sometimes there's just not enough money to do both. What? Where do you fall when, when you have that scenario come up? Yeah, I think that's a great question because hands down, the most important thing to do is fund that 401k or some other retirement account. The saying goes, you know, you can borrow money for college, but you can't borrow money for your own retirement. So that is the most important thing you should do. And then if you have anything left over, even if it's just $100 a month, you can think about your college savings account because it will be a fortune 18 years from now, 10 years from now, and every little bit helps. But what I think families need to realize is that most of us aren't going to be able to pay for all of uh, tuition when the time comes. You will have to borrow money. So what you want to do is make sure that you are saving your money at this time in the most advantageous way to qualify for the most financial aid later. So the smartest thing you can do in that regard is continue to put as much money as possible into retirement accounts because that money doesn't get included in the financial calculations that colleges and universities use when they try to figure out how much your family's contribution towards tuition will be. You're so list- you're kind of, it's two good things. You're saving for your own retirement, and you're not paying out as much. You'll get more financial aid. i got to throw in this real quick. You're listening to Talk 910, Oakland, San Francisco, more stimulating talk. Now, Stacy, with that idea, does your book, and you were supposed to, not you, but we, we didn't get the copy in time, but oh. I'm going to get it probably the next day or so. Does it give examples of like websites to use for like I like a website called savingforcollege.com. I think it gives a lot of information on 529 plans and the different appeals and the pros and cons of all the 529 plans. Do you because every state's different. Do you give resources that we can use outside of your book? Absolutely. And I have included that website. That is also my favorite website for 529 accounts. I love that it's unbiased and that you can do the research. And I this book is just filled with websites and resources and worksheets that people can use. Chock full of uh, useful websites. I like that. And I, I like the fact that you agree with me. So oftentimes <laughs> I find it difficult to get people to agree because I'm kind of controversial. Okay. Well, on this case, we absolutely agree. Um, how about as far as spending smart? Is there, 
do you almost have to to make the mistakes with a kid? Do you almost have to to you know? Is there you're giving us a book that says here's the right way of doing it, but isn't there something to be said for you almost have to go through it? Because like for instance. I love diapers.com. 30% off the cost of diapers. And in California, you don't pay state, you don't pay taxes on it. So state taxes, retail taxes, that's 9.5% here. So diapers can go a long way for me if I'm having them shipped from out of state. Then again, Costco's wonderful, but some people don't like the Costco diapers. Do you see where I'm going with this? Um, I think that we all inevitably do make mistakes. I don't think that we have to, though. I mean, why should we if we don't have to? And I include a section at the end of the book called Money Saving Tips for Every Stage. And it talks about pregnancy and the baby's first year. And then it talks about the toddler years and the elementary school years. And what I did was I took my own experience and, you know, includes everything from if you're using formula for your baby, figuring out where the coupons are and realizing that your pediatrician's office will offer free samples. And I also talked to many other parents out there and sort of grouped together all the tips that they found to save money. Because really, when it comes to parenting, your community of fellow parents are going to offer you some of the best tips for saving money because they've already been through it as well. So it's really smart to talk to other parents. So in your opinion, this is an easy softball question for you, Stacy. Stacy Bradford, author of the Financial Guidebook for New Parents. How great is it being a parent? It's worth the money, isn't it? You know, it is worth the money. And I just had my second two months ago, so I'm kind of reliving it all over again. Um, it is wonderful, but what a fortune. What a fortune. You know, even with the second one, I was hoping that I could save some money because I already have the clothing and the toys. But still, you know, my main expense is health care and child care. So I can't save any money there. You're an author. You're a writer for the Wall Street Journal. How, how do you approach the health care option? Uh, because I would imagine, are you an independent contractor or do you, do you work for the journal? At the moment, I'm an independent contractor. So you're paying for all your health care costs out of pocket. Well, I am married and my husband has health insurance, so fortunately that's not the case. But he works for a small company like so many other people out there, and the health benefits really aren't that rich. So we did end up spending a lot of money. And um, this time around in my pregnancy, I wanted to make sure that I didn't make any mistakes and waste any money, and I made sure that I chose a doctor that was in-network. And I was trying to do all the right things, but sometimes we just can't help ourselves and we have to do things that cost more money. So that halfway through my pregnancy, I realized that I was with a doctor who just frankly wasn't any good. She was too busy. So I had to go to an out-of-network doctor, and that cost me thousands of dollars. And as much as I hated to pay it, I knew that I was in better hands and that it was well worth it. So sometimes we have to make sacrifices even if it really hurts our bottom line. Yeah, I was involved in a situation where seven months in, the pediatrician said, or the, the OBGYN said, uh, so let's go ahead and schedule some time for a C-section. And it's too early to do that. It's, it's, it, he, the guy wants to make more money. So my situation is like, we're, we went and got a new OBGYN. I mean, seven months in, that's a scary time to do it. But sometimes you got to do it, right? Right, absolutely. You know, I did it at five months in. It is a scary time to do it, but... You know, you have to do what's right, and sometimes that costs you more money. Thanks for talking to me, Stacy. It's Stacy Bradford. I'm looking forward to getting the book. If you have any updates you ever want to throw out, feel free to get in touch with us because I'd love to get it out. I think uh, Financial Guidebook for New Parents, it's a must-read. You have to read this kind of stuff. You must know what you're getting into. 
And uh, if you can, you know, benefit from Stacy's experience and Stacy's writing ability in the Wall Street Journal, I highly recommend it. Thanks very much, Ms. Bradford. Thank you. Absolutely. You can find the book at Amazon.com. That's the easiest way to do this, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the last name is Bradford. You can't mess that up. You can't mess that up. It's Stacy Bradford, uh, the Wall Street Journal Financial Guidebook for New Parents. I want to get to some content that's out there today on the financial angle. And um, I'm just going to get through the Wall Street Journal a little bit. I get the Wall Street Journal each and every day. I pull out uh, articles that you know hit me and highlight me. Uh, there's an article today, oil slides to early October levels. Oil's down, gold's down, commodities seem down, energy seems to be down. I know a lot of professional financial advisors right now who are starting to short commodities tied towards energy because they think the dollar's getting ready to bounce as too many people got too bearish on the dollar and the world economic recession. Um, it's, it's coming out of it, but not strong enough to really support the price of oil at $80 a barrel. Maybe oil at $60 a barrel. That's a 25% move. So you can see why some professionals are looking into that. Another article in the journal today, and this comes to me from one of their charts where they're, they're basically showing you the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and they're showing you the NASDAQ, and they show you a 65-day moving average. What you can learn from moving averages, not a lot, to be quite honest with you. Um, if you're going to trade a stock and you want to hold it for a year, look at a one-year chart. It's not going to kill you. If you're going to trade a stock and you want to hold it for 15 days, look at the last 15 days and see how it's acted. It'll tell you a little bit of what you can be in for as far as potential price moves. Now, looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it is really well above the 65-day moving average. But when it comes back to dip, it tends to, to hold. It's a beautiful chart because it shows you that if you go back to September of 2009, uh, 9,500 was when the market dipped and, and bounced right back. And then it goes up to 10,100 on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and it pulls back to 9,600. So in those 65 days, it's starting to show higher lows. It's also showing higher highs. Now, the lows that it's showing you is probably an attractive entry point because it, it's, it's fall, it comes back to the 65-day moving average. So right now, it looks like it should come back to about 10,200 before potentially making another move higher. Now, charts can go out the window quickly. Charting doesn't always work, but it gives you one more component to look for when you're trying to be a successful investor. Again, I'm not recommending everyone suddenly overnight become chartists or uh, technicians. I think that'll get you into a lot of trouble. But the 65-day moving average, when I saw that chart, I was like, oh, that's pretty obvious. We're due for a pullback to about 10,200 on the S&P, on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's pretty obvious to see. And the chart, you'll see it if you open up the journal today and open up to C4. Um, another article that came in today. Rick's Cabaret, Naked Ambition. <laughs> I can't go. I can't go 20 minutes without being sexist. I can't do it. Um, zone for takeoff. Strip club operator finds land near Dallas Airport. Few things are harder to build from ground up than a strip club. Local laws rarely allow them to expand beyond small, specially zoned areas. But Rick's Cabaret International thinks it's found a place to build a new, uh, a new in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, Rick's is the Houston-based owner of 20 clubs. They disclosed last week that they've agreed to buy a 1.6-acre parcel. That's not very much. It's tiny. At the entrance to Fort Worth International Airport, Rick's is going to build a $2.1 million, 10,000-square-foot club. The problem in our industry that they said today is that there's nothing zoned properly for building. If it's zoned properly, it's heavily industrial, and so far off the beaten path, you wouldn't want to build there. So um, here's a company. You can go out and buy Rick's Cabaret. Ticker symbol is, is, uh, I want to say it's Rick. Let me pull it up real quick. It's Rick. Um, today they're not moving on this news, but it's an interesting article in the sense that there's 20 clubs. They want to make 21. 
they're going to be a good revenue story. Now, to build a club, it's going to cost money. So I'm not telling you to go out and invest in this. I'm just saying they're going to be a good revenue story as they continue to expand. They've bought scores in New York, and they bought scores in Vegas. So they own a lot of the strip clubs that are pretty dominant at what they do. Uh, and I know you're saying, Rob, you can invest in a strip club. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. But doesn't that denigrate women and turn them into objectified objects? Of course it does. I think that's the whole point. I think um, you could invest in so many ways. You can invest in cigarettes, i.e. cancer. You can invest in nude women, i.e. Rick's Cabaret. You could invest in Pepsi, Doritos. Pepsi is Pepsi. Pepsi is Gatorade. Pepsi just dropped Tiger Woods' drink. Not Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods uh, being dropped from their lineup. The golfer hasn't been aired in a commercial. Now they're taking a, his Pepsi beverage away. They're basically shutting it down. The Gatorade Tiger Focus Sport Drink is part of a broader overhaul of the Gatorade brand. They said it just wasn't selling well, but it's odd timing, isn't it? It's a little odd timing. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. And again, the author I was talking to was Stacey Bradford, Financial Guidebook for New Parents. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.